Have you ever been in those conversations where you're not quite sure what the people around you are talking about? Mm-hmm. Right? And maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a, a profession or, or, or right? a, a professional skill you know, that they learn, or maybe it's a life experience, you know, uh, maybe it interests you or not, but typically in these scenarios, right, um, I'll, never, I'll, I'll never forget, I'll just use this example since Jared's here, it just jumps to my mind, we were at the Red K wedding, right, and, and other than mom and dad, I don't think there's been any others yet, right, so there's, there's just one, and, and so we're there, and I'm there, and I'm and chatting with Jared, and He's telling me all about his future and the job that he's stepping into. And I don't know if you know, know this, Jared, but I tend to ask too many questions, right? I'm just so curious about what you all do and how people do it. Because uh, I live vicariously through all of you. I don't, and it's good for me because then it just makes my life easier because I just don't, my to-do list is just so much smaller, right? I don't have to be so stressed about what I accomplished because it's being covered, you know, but I love to hear about what people do and, and how God works through you. And, and, and so it just amazes me, right? But if we don't ask the question, even sometimes when we do ask the question, I know in my scenario, no matter how much Jared tells me about what he does, I can't get it. I can't grasp it. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. In order for me to learn and do and know what Jared knows, a conversation's not going to settle it. I'm going to have to go back and start over, start going through college again, start, you know, I have to do everything all over again, get all new experiences, just to begin to understand and connect and understand what, what he understands. And, and, and I think sometimes this is very, this is very often the case with us when it comes to our conversations with Jesus. Or even more so, when people outside of a, a relationship with Christ, a relationship with the Lord through Christ, people outside of the Lord kind of overhear our conversations. You see this most readily when people are exploring going to church. Remember this, when maybe you didn't know Jesus and you would go to church, you know, and someone would get up and... You know, they, maybe they share a song or a testimony or say things like, you know, praise the Lord. You know, the, the Lord is amazing. You know, you're a reflection of God's joy. And you're just there. You hear all this, like, agreement, but you just kind of scratch your head. Right? And you're just kind of like, that's really, really nice to say. But, but you find yourself, when, you're, when you have not experienced Jesus yourself, you find yourself in this place of either curiosity or actually some type of disbelief. You know, like, like are those people, are, are they pretending? You know, I love, so, so I come from a background. I am just, I, I'm just a skeptic. I want you to know that my background, my life, I am just a skeptic. As soon as I hear, especially when it's like culturally like exciting or popular, oh, someone, yeah. as soon as someone says, oh, this new movie's out or we got to go do this or I'm immediately like skeptical about it. Like, okay, yay, you know, you do that, right? But I'm not going to be so quick to jump into it. And I've always even had that kind of experience in church. Now, I had a relationship with the Lord for many, many years. And, and, and even my experience of God in, in my own specific ways. But I was just always very much a skeptic, especially in the sphere of the church. When people get up and they, you know, they, they'd say these trite things like praise the Lord or let's give God the glory, you know, or, or um, uh, on Easter he is risen, God is good. He's risen indeed. He's risen indeed. God is good all the time, right? And, and, and it was always hard for me because I wanted to hear each individual's expression for themselves, Right? I wanted to hear God expressed and worshipped, worshipped in, in, in a thousand different ways. So anytime it mimicked, that kind of interrupted my understanding of who God was. But, but, as I've gotten to know you and watched you, I've learned it isn't the words. It's the worship of the person. So this was more, more recently, right? I was I, uh, watching you gentlemen come up here and just worship the Lord publicly and give testimony. And yeah, Dwayne specifically, I just want to, uh, Dwayne was up here one morning 
just, just praising the Lord, sharing with you all. And, and never, in my, never once did I have this, this skeptical feeling. But I did wonder if others in the room may have like I did so many years ago. And it just, I just felt like as Dwayne was sharing in that moment, I was like, I just want, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't think that he's being honest or doesn't, you know, can't, can't reflect on the joy that God is, is revealing in his life right now, I just want to tell you it's real. It is real because I know Dwayne, because I know you, because I know I, it's real. But see, until you actually know each other, it's very difficult because it's, you're kind of like the outsider, just kind of, you know, stepping into like a community where you're still trying to learn how to communicate, speak how everyone speaks or dress how everyone dresses, or, right? And so you kind of remain this skeptic. But when I arrive here on Sunday morning with you, I want you to know that the way that each and every one of you keep choosing to live out your life in Christ, it's so real. Just thank you for this. Thank you. Because this is exactly what the world is, is seeking and longing for. We're not, see, see, Jesus is not the center of the conversation. He is the center of life. Right? We're not gathering here on Sunday morning to talk about Jesus. We're here so Jesus can talk to us. And this is radically different because... We need, see, this is, this, is, this is the whole invitation, isn't it? We need to be born again. Mm-hmm. And the invitation is in Christ is to start all over again. Because maybe, maybe you are joining the conversation. Maybe you're wondering, well, well, well you know, how do, I, how do I experience Jesus? How do I find Jesus in this way? And, and this is exactly what Jesus told Nicodemus. You need to be born again. You need to start life all over. And Nicodemus is saying, well, how do I do that? How do I start life all over? I'm too old to go back to college. I'm too old to go back to the womb. I wouldn't fit. It'd be very, very uncomfortable, let alone what type of mess this is going to cause. I have to clean up. How is this even possible? Right? But see, in Christ, we get to begin again. And like Kate said, I think so, like Kate said, May we begin to trust in him all over again. See, we have to begin to trust all over again because Jesus is looking to teach us. He's looking to guide us because until we begin to take on his learning, it's going to be very, very difficult to find language to describe him. Until we take on our experiences with him, it's going to be very, very hard to explain our relationship with him. And this is the invitation. This is why we're here. Not because Jesus is going to be the center of our conversation, but because he's the center of our reality. He's the center of, of eternity. See, we're not, when, when, when Jesus is the center of your conversation, it's, it's like we're trying to create him. But the reality is, is he's the creator of us. And so we just want to listen. And let him guide us. Let us take on new learning, new reflections, that we may be able to communicate him and speak of him in an entirely new way. So I've been speaking about these past two weeks, and I want to continue. I've titled this little, these past, this little mini-series here, The Road to Somewhere. And for those of you who are just joining us, the reason why I call this The Road to Somewhere is because so often in life, if you listen to the world, if, if, if you engage in conversations with people around you in any, any capacity, whether it be TV, news, you know, I don't think people gather at the water cooler anymore. I think that's, that's an old thing, right? <laughs> the, the cafeteria, your coworkers, it's very, very easy to come to the conclusion that life is about a road that leads nowhere. That I just get up in the morning when I go to work, and, 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 and I try to get paid, and I try to do this, or, you know, and, and, and it's almost like I just try to get through the day. We were, we were, I was at work the other day, and, and a gentleman in his 50s, it was very, it was very, it was a great, it was a great moment. But um, we've all heard this. I'm sure we've all heard this. It's nothing new. But we're all training, and, 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 and just out of the blue, this, this gentleman, he says, 
I'm just curious if there's any of you in the room had, excuse me, if any of you in the room had a million dollars, if any of you had, had enough finances to just do and live however you want, what would you do? And, and then half the room laughed, right? Somehow as if they knew. I didn't tell them. I never answered this question publicly outside of, outside of here, uh, especially not in, in my workplace, but half of, the, half of the people there just laughed as if they knew the answer until one said very out loud, oh, Nick, he'd be doing exactly what he's doing. And I want you to know, I'm slightly under a million dollars. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> what that means is we barely have a couple 20s to rub together. Right? We've been living in this sphere of faith for such a long time. But it's so interesting to live by faith and, 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 and to live as if your life is, exists for a reason. That, that your existence, your birth, your, your life, your day, it's not a road to nowhere, but in Christ it's actually a road to somewhere. But see, this is perplexing for me, because I, I want to talk about this road to somewhere, and this, this conundrum, this road to nowhere. And I know I, I may be a little bit of complex for some of you, and I apologize. Thank you for your grace as, as I welcome you into the, the, the maze and chasms that is my, my very own uh, personality and soul. But I want to look at First Corinthians, sorry, Acts chapter 13. And just as a brief summary, Acts chapter 13 began with Barnabas and Saul setting out on their first missionary journey. And, and to me, Acts 13 really is summed up as this road to somewhere. But I want you to know that this road to somewhere, in, in, in my background, it's a, it's a little bit more complex for me because I hear... In my daily lives and, 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 and in the markets, in self-help books, in, in education, this seems to be the dilemma that everyone's trying to solve, that, that my life exists to go somewhere, right? But it feels like nowhere. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I mean, even right now, I try not to ask my son because this question, because I find it so burdensome. We've all been asked this question at a very young age. What do you want to do when you grow up? Now, I want you to know, this is a ridiculous question to ask a child. They don't know, and nor should they know. Yeah. And, and so when a grown-up comes and says, what do you want to do when you grow up? Now a child is confused. What do you mean? I, I didn't even know I was growing up. <laughs> I wake up, and I play. Correct? Yeah. I wake up, and I play. This is what I do. And then when you're burned with these questions of like, well, you know, what, what are you going to do when you grow up? It's almost like a child, you know, a child that, that is actually like feel like they need to please you or feel like they need to ponder the question. It's almost like you've disturbed their universe. Right. Yeah. Like what? Like yeah. Like, like, you know, and, and it's very, it's very peculiar to me. Because it's actually, as we've interrupted and disturbed their universe, I want you to know that, that it's actually, it, it, we should be capturing their look. Because I think what they're saying to us is, why has your universe been disturbed? Because Jesus said, unless you become like little children. See, when you ask me, when, when I was a child, and again, I know many of you have not had the same life experience as me, but when I was a child and someone said, what do you want to do when you grow up? This was burdensome for me. Because now I have to have life figured out. And I want you to know, as a child, I had no idea what my future was going to be. I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea what I was going to do. But I spent many of my years of my life trying to figure it out. And every year that I tried to figure it out, the more disappointing, the more depressing my life became. 
So whatever grown up, if you're listening to this podcast, whatever grown up, ask me this question, whatever you're gonna do when you're grown up, I wanna say to you, tongue in cheek, thank you. Because children, it's almost like we grow up, we're children, we learn to play, we love to play, and then we become grown-ups and we wear pants to church. <laughs> but then Christ invites us to become like little children again. Little children where, where don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Oh. Or where. Or where. <laughs> Amazing how the Holy Spirit weaves this together. <laughs> right? You wouldn't think pants would have anything to do with the Sunday morning talk, but it does. Right? And all of a sudden, we step into this life of faith. See, see, what I'm trying to tell you is, when I was trying to figure out my life, I kept coming up with somewhere that I wanted to go. But every time I couldn't get there, it just seemed like a path to nowhere. And, and my life just became so burdensome. Because I can't really seem to get to where I feel like I'm supposed to be or where culture is supposed to tell me to be. Or, or, and even more recently, I want you to know, even more recently, I've had to shoot down this lie in my life because all I know how to do is wake up this morning and then move through my door and tend to the tasks and the relationships and the things I've committed to today. Anything above that, I will get anxiety ridden. Right. I really, really will. And, and, and so I've chosen my life just to simply just do that. I don't know where my business is going. I don't know where, what our financials what, are going to look like when some years down the road. Now, I'm not saying we don't work hard. I'm not saying we can't make plans. I'm not saying that we can't save. I'm not saying that we can't set on our calendar things to do, places to go, adventures to take. I'm not saying that at all. But... Another passage comes to me when in, in, in the book of James where he speaks and he says, you guys remember this? I actually wrote this down. <coughs> I think it's James. I saved it. James 4 verse 13. See, it's almost like if we just have a conversation where we let Jesus be the center, it's almost as if in our conversation, he will lead us to him. It's almost like these biblical authors, like they were experiencing Jesus, like they knew there, was, there were no admission fees, right? And that, that Jesus was actually part of our lives, seeking us and calling us, and, and we could experience him, and he would actually guide our lives and be true in his promises. Here in James writes 4.13, come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's actually sin. Even on my way in this morning, I have plans for today. Uh, I have, have a lunch meeting. I have some things on my to-do list. And even on my way in, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing to, to leave for Hong Kong. And, and, and on my way in, I actually, for a brief second, this anxiety crashed over me. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like, I was almost, um, I, I, I am literally, I'm being very confident and telling you exactly what I felt. I felt so confident in the moment that, that the next several weeks of my life were, 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 were laid out that um, I was in control. For a, very, for a very brief moment, I just felt like I was in control. And if in that same moment, I had this reality that I was like, I could be in a car accident in the next three minutes on my way in here to meet you guys. Right? And, and then I take it a step further and I'm like, well, maybe you guys aren't like me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just really, really neurotic, okay? <laughs> so all in that same moment, I like perked up. 
I'm like, look, I'm going through, I'm going through green lights. I'm like, no one's gonna, no one's gonna hit me. You know, like I, somehow I can guard. Okay, that was clear. You know, all right, I made it through that intersection. Somehow, somehow, I, if I'm just more alert in my life, I can avoid an accident. And all in that moment, right, Kate? I know I'm not in control. It doesn't mean I don't drive to church with my eyes closed. But I don't be so arrogant to say, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a talk, and then I'm meeting with this person, and I'm on my way. I don't know how I became Southern all of a sudden, but now I'm going to, I'm heading to Hong Kong, I'm going to do this. Sorry, I have a, I have a longtime friend who would, when, when he would mock people, he'd kind of move into a Texas accent. <laughs> We're not in control. And, and, and so when it comes to this road to somewhere, this road to nowhere, in my life, it's always been, it's always been a struggle for me because it's always been one or the other. What is one or the other? Well, one, it's always been where I'm going to go next. Like it's, always, it's always been my road to somewhere is this specific place. Right, I'm going to build this company. We're going to go make money here. We're going to go take this holiday. Going to take this vacation. Grow this business. Have this party. Right, whatever it is, this is my road to somewhere. This is what I'm going to do. And that road to somewhere, um, in all honesty, is is one of two places. Right, it's either here on Earth, what I'm doing today, um, how I'm going to grow my business, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to right, or it's it's almost skips over all this and it's eternity. Right? My road to somewhere. You know, and, and to me, there's a dichotomy here. There's a dichotomy. And, and of course, there's the third. So, so it's like there's these three trajectories of your road to nowhere, road to somewhere. Your road to nowhere is literally, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I feel hopeless. Uh, I, I just want to belong somewhere. I want to be, be loved. I want to know this Jesus. I want to know. I, I, I want to have a job that's fulfilling. I want to have a relationship that's fulfilling. I want something in my life that's meaningful. Right? Long before you come to Jesus, this and every single person that I've met throughout my life, this is what they're looking for. They're looking for a life that's filled with intimacy, destiny, and meaning. All three. I want to love someone, and I want to be loved. I want my life to mean something. And I want my future to be better than it is today. Intimacy destiny and meaning. The Bible speaks of this, by the way. It's actually faith, hope, and love. Which one is greatest? Faith, hope, and love. Well, this is my whole point. See, see, no matter how hard you try, outside of Jesus, your life is going to just go swing back and forth between this hope for some, a road that, a life and a road that leads to somewhere and a road that leads to nowhere. It just is. It's just, in every conversation that I've had, and I want you to know that, that I, I am a naive human being. When I meet people and they don't know Jesus and they tell me what, what they're doing in their life and their future and, and, and all these things, I know it's not true. But I just kind of, okay, you know, I just kind of let them go their way. Okay. You know, almost as if, you know, that their determination or their convincing of themselves is somehow going to work. Which, I want you to know, in my experience, it never has. I've been with people all the way up to the very, very end, believing at the very, very end. And I want you to know, when you, when you are on a road to nowhere, I hope this comes out right. If you're on a, when you're on a road to nowhere, your somewhere is very, very difficult to let go of. Because your somewhere is everything. I, I've met people, just, they, they can't let go of their, their, their 50 year occupation. I, I have nothing else to talk about. Without my job, I don't know who I am. See, see when, when, you, when your life is somewhere outside of Jesus, what happens when somewhere's gone? You're left high and dry. I've been in these relationships recently, being able to coach some people in the medical profession. And they work so hard to control death. 
and to keep death from coming. And I read more recently, I just asked the doctor who's, who's, who's older and, and she goes through life feeling guilty. I asked him, I just asked him directly, I said, how do you feel about death? And it's the most difficult conversation for him because his whole life has been about preventing it. And in his greatest pride, he just says, well, I never lost a patient on the table. As, as, if, as if the road to somewhere is having authority over death, but yet death still comes. And although death still comes, the hardest is when it comes for you. Because your somewhere ends up being nowhere. But we will manufacture somewhere as we all have, we all will, and we all do. So then we have the somewhere. And the somewhere is either going to be earthly, right, what we're doing with our life, and, 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 or it's going to be eternal. Now this is where this, this struggle has always come for me because it's always been this, for me, it's always been easier for my road to somewhere to just be eternity. Let me read Acts 13 for you. Let's, let's, let's bring some scripture into this. Acts 13, I'm going to continue in verse... I think, maybe, I think it might be 13, Acts 13, 13. Yes. So Barnabas and Saul just concluded their trip through Cyprus. And if you remember our talk last week, we just looked at the very hardship that they had as they were finishing you know, their journey across this 120-mile island. And we just kind of said, listen, your journey, hardship's going to exist till the end. Temptation is going to exist till the end. This, this dichotomy, this invitation, the call, the challenge, this road to somewhere, this road to nowhere, this struggle is going to last to the very, very end. And we are in Christ going to have to stand on the truth of the promise of God because temptation is going to come to the very, very end that you've wasted your life, that you're on a road to nowhere. It's going to follow you. It's going to chase you only in Christ where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And remember what Paul said. He said, get away from me. Get, you, 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 you evil, you villain, right? The lies, be away. We have to speak truth to the lies in our life. And, and so picking up in Acts 13, 13, it says this. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Say it. I really, really like the scriptures as public narratives, as historical narratives, because Luke has done, has gone to extraordinary lengths to preserve this for us. So, so Barnabas and Saul finish across Cyprus and, and, and they set sail. They set sail to, to continue on their missionary journey. The Lord has them on a road to somewhere. They're being sent, if you recall, they're being sent out as the image of the joy of God to take this joy across Asia, to plant churches, to see what God's going to do. I don't think, I want you to know, I do not think that Paul as a church planner has actually sat down with some type of modern business plan to see how many churches he can plant. I don't think he did. I don't think he raised funds. I don't think he, he, he organized this at all. I think he set out simply realizing that in Christ, he wants other people to know who Jesus is. And he goes, how do I know? Because there's moments that Paul has no money. And he doesn't go home. There's times that Paul has nothing to eat. And he doesn't quit. Many of us in our lives are only on a road to somewhere until we run out of funds. And then we kind of stop where we're going. See, Paul 
is loaded in Christ. Spiritually, financially, emotionally. He's completely full on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, we actually talked about the the church that sent them out. Remember, they laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them out in the Spirit. They're being sent out by the Spirit, by the Spirit of the Lord, through the Spirit of the Lord in God's people, all going together. This, they're, they're on a road to accomplish what God has them to do. And all that simply is, is getting up in the morning, going throughout their day, and reflecting the joy of the Lord everywhere that they go. Speaking truth, and this is their road to somewhere. Now, Getting back to my dilemma. For me, when it came to this, this, this road to somewhere, for me, it's always been a struggle kind of flipping back and forth between eternity and here. See, it, I, I, I love the idea of eternity. I love the idea of God's promises I love the reality of God's presence through Jesus. I love the, I, I love the fact that his promises are good, that, that, that he's created a place for me. In fact, I'd like to turn to where Jesus himself has actually said this to us. Come with me to John chapter 14. I like the idea that my road to somewhere leads to eternity. Now, I want you to know that I have some fault with this. So many of us think that the road to eternity, this road to somewhere, is the end of the road. I want you to know it's not. It's the beginning. I grew up thinking that that somehow eternity was the end of somewhere. Like we arrived, the game of Monopoly is over, you know, the game of life, I'm, you know, I'm now a tycoon, I'm now a millionaire. But somehow moving into eternity was, was a static experience. I want you to know that just like life here, eternity is going to be completely dynamic, not static. Eternity is the beginning of something. We're always going to be experiencing more of God. We're always going to be on a new adventure. Those of you, those of you who, 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 who love adventure, wait till eternity because you're going to be on the adventure of your lives. You're going to see things you never saw before. You're going to discover species that never existed before. You're going to touch things, eat things, taste things, meet people that you have not even imagined yet. See, eternity is not static. See, I, I struggle with church growing up because I thought this road to somewhere was actually nowhere. That I, this life is what I had, and then even in Jesus, then I moved into eternity. And then it was just like this eternal idea of like, of like, Watching TV, like one channel, you know, and in my day and age, it was like watching Billy Graham. This was like, you know, having to sing and worship for, for the rest of my life, you know, just sing the same song over and over and over again. Now, now, as a child, that was a burden for me with all you all. Now it's marvelous and it's fantastic. But as a child, I was just so bored, like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to die because I don't think I can sing for the rest of my life. I don't think I can sing for all eternity. Right? And so this, this idea that eternity was somewhere was actually misconstrued as like nowhere. Like, oh, I don't think I can do that. But I want you to know that this place, eternity, is in fact somewhere. And this is what Jesus says. Thanks, Kate. This is awesome. This is what Jesus says. Right? Saying to his disciples, John 14, verse 1. <laughs> I love how Right? Love how he opens up. Listen, listen, listen. Take a deep breath. Right now, take a deep breath. Hear Jesus' words. They're written in red. Let not your hearts be troubled. Right? Calm down. Slow down. Take a deep breath. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms. Listen, if it were not so, would I, 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know, you know the way, you know where I'm going. All right, and then Nick jumps in. It says Thomas here, but it's Nick. All right, Nick said, Lord, this road to somewhere. We don't know where that is. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says to us, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm pretty sure we heard that this morning already. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, right, Lord, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. See, in my experience, the burden of this life, this world, is, 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 is our, our eyesight is very, very poor. Even with Jesus standing in front of us, even with all the experiences we've had, I want you to know that even in those moments that you fret, that you worry, that, that human nature comes over you, Jesus knows He's standing right here in front of his disciples and he's telling them everything we already know, everything we already heard, but we're feeling the exact same things that that Peter and Thomas, sorry, Philip and Thomas are feeling. It's okay. It's okay. Because Jesus just speaks to us again. Right? And and Philip says the same thing that you and I say, Lord, show us. Right? In parentheses, again. (laughs) Show us again the Father and it'll be enough for us. You ever recognize, see, I want to point out here, Philip is telling a lie, and he doesn't know it. See, the reason why Jesus has to be more than the center of conversation, it has to be the center of our relationship, is because very, very simply, seeing him once is not enough. See, Philip says, show us once and it will be enough. Show us and it'll be enough. But friends, it isn't, is it? Otherwise, there'd be no need for us to keep gathering together every Sunday morning. Please, let's just just get over it. Let's get through it. Right? I met Jesus. It's been enough. Right? If it were enough, there'd be, you know, there'd be this amazing thing that would happen you know, either in that moment that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if I were the Lord and I were designing it, I would have it happen during baptism. When you actually get baptized, you would just like disappear into eternity. Like you would just be like, like Elisha and Enoch. You'd just be like, Poof. right? Because it's not enough. This relationship with Jesus, is, is, it's supposed to be dynamic. It's supposed to be this constant, ongoing relationship because of sin, friends, because our humanity in sin is separated from God. Continuing verse nine. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
As I read this passage, I reflect back to 1 Corinthians 13. See, this is the perspective that, that Paul has. Now, I want to point something out here. If you are wondering and, and, and sometimes wrestle in the purpose of your life, the meaning of your life, the, the, the destiny of your life, and, and you're kind of caught between kind of going back between eternity and here. And, 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 and again, if, if you're going back between eternity and here, you're going to end up feeling like you're on the road to nowhere sometimes. It's just going to feel that way. But here's what's true, and I said this last week in Jesus. In Jesus, you are never, ever, ever on a road to nowhere. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel, you are never, ever, ever in Christ on a road to nowhere. Because he's now control in control of the path that you're on. Right? This is why we trust in the Lord, not with our eyes. Not on which what is seen, because he has promised us that he's leading us. But, if you find yourself being caught between back and forth, between this road to somewhere being eternity and this road somewhere being here, I want you to know that you're actually in the right place. Jesus himself said it. You, I, he said this, I'm on my way, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to create a place for you, and I'm going to come back for you, and I'm telling you the truth. Yes, you're on a road to somewhere, and it's going to be with me in eternity, dynamic, eternal, exciting. On our way in, Jerry and I shared a moment. Sorry, Steve, nothing to worry about. <laughs> but we shared a moment. We were both just moving slow. And we had a nonverbal debate that she was moving slower than me, and, 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 and she won that debate. But we're just walking in, and, and we're just moving slower. But I want you to know that there's a day coming that you're going to be as swift, as swift and as mighty and as quick and as vibrant and as vigilant as only God knows as you were designed in His image to be. He promises us that there is a road to somewhere, and this road to somewhere is absolutely, absolutely eternity. But there's more. There's a somewhere. There's a road that leads to somewhere in your life today and tomorrow. And we must not neglect it. We can't just fold up our bag and say, I'm just going to wait for eternity to come. Because Jesus said, and I quote, boy, I hope I remember it. I hate to quote Jesus poorly. You will do even greater things than me. Now listen, this road to somewhere, Jesus, boy, this is some statement. This road to somewhere, I want you to know, he's not opened the door yet. Death has not yet been conquered. And he's saying, listen, where I'm going, I, basically what I want you to know is I'm going to open the door for you. And this door is going to lead so that your life is purchased by me, owned by me, and it's gonna, you're going to live forever in this place, this beautiful, perfect place I've created for you, which I designed all the way from beginning in eternity past. But you don't have to wait till then to start enjoying it. You're going to do even greater things than me. Before you even get there. Different door? No. Same door. Same door. See, the same door that leads to life eternal is the same door that leads to life right here and right now. And so Paul, sorry, Barnabas and Saul, they, they get on a boat and they head north into Asia and they continue because they realize that they're on a road to somewhere, that, that they've been anointed to see and experience things that are even greater than what Christ himself has done. And he has this conversation, or, or this, this moment takes place. I want to point it out, because it's, it's extremely important. John leaves them. John 
doesn't continue on with them. Now, I read this with, with non-emphasis because I think that's the way that it's written. But if you know your scriptures, then you'll know that, that there's been some relational hurt that's taken place here. Because whatever's happening, whatever John's reason is for leaving, is going to break the trust and the relationship that he has with Saul, that he has with Paul. Because in chapter, first, chapter 15 of Acts, Barnabas is going to once again invite John, it's actually Mark, actually, the gospel, the writer of the, the, the book of Mark. Barnabas is going to invite John Mark to come along with them on their second missionary journey. And Paul's going to have nothing to do with it. And it says in Acts 15 that a sharp disagreement came upon them. Listen, sharp disagreement, this is like a very kind way of saying a terrible, terrible contention. There's anger and there's broken relationship and there's some level of strife and maybe even unforgiveness. I'm sorry, but that's what it means. And only Barnabas, right? Praise the Lord for Barnabas. If you can find a Barnabas in your life, friends, please do it. Because Barnabas always sees the potential in people. Always. See, Paul's got things to do. Paul's, Paul's got a work to accomplish. And, and John Mark, whatever happens here in this passage is, is, is Paul does not feel like he can be trusted. Listen, in your road to somewhere, you're, we are all going, going to experience relationships with John Marks. Some of us have experienced relationships with John Mark in our life that, that it wounded us so bad that we stopped going to church. It wounded us so bad that, 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 that we no longer, we may have quit a job, we, we, whatever it is, but we left the current road that we were on. And we packed up and we went home. I want to point this out because it's really, really important that we offer grace to one another. That, that even though my road to somewhere, I want you to know it's not your road. Your, road, your path is not the same as mine. It may be. This morning, praise the Lord, we're all on the same path. And I'm excited that we're here together. Some of us are not here this morning. Some of us have already left into that dynamic somewhere. And are waiting for us. With stories to tell and stories to share. Others of us are like the John Marks. They just quit. They just decided to go. They just couldn't do this anymore. So they're looking... For they're somewhere, some, somewhere else. And I want you to know that this is okay. This is okay because John Mark, even though whatever's happening here, Paul's pretty upset about it, Saul's pretty upset about it, and he kind of writes them off. Guess what? God still used him to write the Gospel of Mark. So God wasn't done with him, Right? If you're having a contention with someone, I want you to know that God's still working. God's still going to use it. Even though it looks like a failure, God's still going to heal it. It's still on a road to somewhere. Case in point, I'm going to read this to you. I think I'm going to jump to 2 Timothy, Justin. I assume you're following along. 2 Timothy 4.9 among Paul's last letters. Among Paul's last letters. It's amazing what time and experience does in our lives, isn't it? It's amazing how the wounds, how the scars, how the hardships, how the redemption, how the new choices, how the struggles, how it all shapes us. One of Paul's last letters I want to read to you. 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. Justin, do you like how I just buy you time there? I already had it. You already had it? Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, 
in love this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Sounds an awful lot like uh, Acts 13, doesn't it? Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is, is, is with me. Please go get John Mark and bring him with you. For he's very useful to me for ministry. Whatever's happening in this moment in Acts 13, one key phrase I wrote down when I was thinking about this little, this little, this little series was, your current reality doesn't have to be your current eternity. Oftentimes, we feel like our reality is always our eternity. You ever feel that way? That whatever we're feeling today is just going to last forever. Your current reality does not have to be your current eternity. Amen. And in Christ, it isn't. Mm-hmm. The very end of days, you know who Paul's asking for? He's asking for John Mark to come back. I'd love to see him. He's very helpful to me. He's very useful to me. Whatever relationship was healed here, whatever had happened, maybe he wrote the Gospel of Mark and Paul was just impressed. (laughs) I don't know. But he's asking the very person that he was rejecting and denying is the very person that he's calling, calling back. And what, why do I share this? Because our paths to somewhere are interconnected. They're going to weave in and out of relationships. Please always, 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 in all the tumultuous events, please just try to allow your heart to remain open to what God is doing. This road to somewhere isn't just eternity. It's here day to day in the way that Jesus wants to make his life known to us. Why? Because of verse 15b. Those of you who have been in the scripture for quite some, some time know that b is added to kind of mark halfway through the verse. b doesn't really exist. This is something that we theological, uh, the, our, uh, theological individuals kind of put in there to point out the second half of the passage. Acts 13, verse 15, halfway through. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for us, <coughs> say it. Say it. Barnabas and Saul are here. And whatever it is, whether this is a regular occurrence, whatever it is, whether this is a soul cry, whatever it is, the people around them are looking for an encouraging word. I don't know about you. One thing I have experienced every single day of my life, everywhere I go, everyone I see, everyone I meet, everyone is looking for an encouraging word. I've never seen it turned away. I've seen people crying for it, longing for it, and never getting it. If you have an encouraging word, say it. Say it. Because we have the most encouraging words written on the hearts of men from eternity, from the author and creator of life. Don't wait to be asked. Say it.